kind of changed my brain chemistry a little bit. Like that's ingrained into my head. It was pretty crazy. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Six weeks into Madeline Klein's freshman year of college, she called her parents and told them she was dropping out to pursue an acting career in Los Angeles. While that call would be a shock to any parent, for Madeline, it was a long time coming. While growing up in the small town of Goose Creek, South Carolina, Madeline spent summers in New York City working on small modeling and commercial gigs. She had dreamed about becoming an actor for years and knew it would never happen without a giant leap of faith. After getting out to Hollywood, Madeline dealt with her fair share of rejection. But over the next few years, she managed to land a few minor roles here and there, eventually leading to her breakout role as Sarah Cameron in what would become one of Netflix's most popular series, Outer Banks. The show thrust Madeline into the spotlight, requiring her to quickly adjust to her newfound celebrity. This past year, she joined the star-studded cast of Ryan Johnson's Who Done It? Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Madeline brought her best to the role of Whiskey, who was revealed in the film to be far more cunning and ambitious than any of her peers suspected. Today we are discussing all the above, plus catching up on the recent release of the third season of Outer Banks. Where am I finding you? Where are you right now? I'm in I'm in Malibu, California. Nice. I've heard of it. I, yeah. I'm just in uh, yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Who's the dog barking? This is exciting. This that, is going to be a moment. This is this is Beanie. Oh, look at that cute dog. Okay, listeners, this is a really cute dog right now. What kind of dog? Looks like a mix to me. She is a Jack Russell Chihuahua mix. Oh, so and she is spunky. <laughs> Look at that little face. It looks very I Jack know. Russell. And you see a little bit of the Chihuahua, too. She wants to chase her tail right now, which is a very, yeah. which is a, you know, is a whole, it's a very loud ordeal. It's like our version of TikTok scroll, you know, just yes. zoning out and just. <laughs> yes, with the volume all the way up. <laughs> yes. Do you like TikTok? Are you like a TikTok like, am I supposed like, to admit that I like TikTok, like on the record? I for I mean, I, I will say, like, it is kind of embarrassing how um, my husband actually said to me this morning, because I had a really early morning, and he's mm -hmm. like, you got to get up, no TikTok, because I will find, <laughs> like, before I... You know, as I'm waking up, I always check the news. It's the old, like, journo junkie in me. Like, what's all the yeah. headlines? What's the news? And what's then I'll be on? like, what's on all this stuff? And then I will end up on, like, a Reels or a, I don't even know if it's a TikTok, but it leads me there. And I'll get immersed mm -hmm. in either a dog video, a cooking video. <laughs> a, I'm not going to say I don't yeah. know. That's what my algorithm feeds me. It's not yeah. so much like following a TikToker. It's just kind of what it serves me. I, I go on the journey. Yes. Mine has recently been what people eat in a day when they go to Japan. So because I've and I don't I think it's because I've recently been talking about um, wanting to go to Japan. And so now all of a sudden my for you page is just nothing but like like omakase style dinners and what people eat at the fish markets. And so and all of my saved videos <laughs> are where to eat when I go to Japan. I have it all lined up. I have my whole food journey lined up. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, Madeline Klein, thank you so much for joining me on Skip Intro. I have mm -hmm. been tracking you since I first saw Glass Onion. And I saw it at, at Netflix, like at the mm -hmm. right before it went to Toronto. And I was like, 
obviously loved it along with the rest of the world. I thought it was fabulous. But I came away with it going, who is that? She's fantastic. And in my old life, that's what I used to do a lot of a Vanity Fair was like kind of find new talent and I would love that and do a Vanities on them and kind of like start their journey with with the magazine. So it's, it's, it's ingrained in me. I'm always looking for new faces and seeing that. But what was ironic was then <laughs> I realized, oh my God, you're on. You're already on Netflix and you're already a huge star on Outer Banks. But I have to say for someone that hadn't watched Outer Banks now, of course, I've gone and binged the whole series and we'll talk about that a little later. But I was just impressed by by you in that film. And I love that that's my first entry to who you were. And now here we are. So it's been a busy nine months. I can't even do the math for you. So what was that experience like for you being at Toronto Film Festival? It was the global premiere. That's where Knives Out had premiered like a couple of years earlier. It was a packed theater. Just the excitement around. I'm just curious for you as a first timer kind of going through that experience. What do you remember about that? Well, you know, what's so funny is actually Toronto TIFF is the only film festival I've ever been to. It was my very, very first film festival when I went with Boy Raced. And then I went, I think a year later for an indie film that I did called The Giant. And then we got to go back again for Glass Onions. It was kind of like a nice little full circle moment to be doing our world premiere at Toronto for such an exciting film. And we also did a Vanity Fair video getting ready for the premiere. And it was like a whole, it was a whole thing. It was like if Murphy's Law was like getting ready with me video, it would be that one. It just felt like, you know, what, like if it just felt like everything was just going wrong. And, um, you know, in your mind, you kind of build it up to be like, you know, it's this premiere, it's a world premiere. It's going to be this magical, like just perfect, perfect moment. Everything's going to go right. And it didn't. And, um, and I kind of also live for experiences. Like I, I kind of live for a little bit of the chaos of it all. Um, but yes, it was, it was really, it was really, really fun. It was also our first time. I was nervous because I'd only seen bits and pieces from doing ADR. So, and beyond that, Ryan wouldn't show us anything. And so I got to watch the film for the first time with the audience we had. And it was actually, it was terrifying at first, but then it became kind of exhilarating because I, I mean, we, we obviously adored the film while we were making it and we adored um, how we were leaning into the comedy of it all and, and the satire and to, to hear the audience's reactions or to hear them laugh at the same things that we thought were funny or we thought were incredible was just like, oh my God, like we're having this wonderful shared experience with this room full of people and they like it too. <laughs> and that was, that was really, really fun because our Daniel said something while we were doing press for it. He said, you know, you make, you, you know, you kind of like lay your heart on, on the line when you're making something. Um, and part of it like doesn't even really mean much until you have it in front of an audience. And that was kind of like the final piece of the puzzle was to be in that room and see just people's reactions to it. It was, it was terrifying and exhilarating at the same time, but it was something that I, I, I don't think, I think that memory kind of changed my brain chemistry a little bit. Like that's ingrained into my head. It was pretty 
crazy. Mm. And of course, Daniel is Daniel Craig, who plays Benoit Blanc in the film. Yes. And I should say that is a stellar cast that you were in and, and you pretty much stole every scene that you that you had, which I think is it was incredible. Even when you were first come out of the pool, it's so great. Kate, Kate Hudson's line. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a swim. And then you kind of like slow mo come out of the pool. Maybe yeah. not. I'm going to lay out. <laughs> Overall, I know that film was made in COVID. There were strict protocols. It was such a unique experience because you all really got to bond and hang out together in one yeah. hotel and yeah. play the murder mystery games mm-hmm. and get to know each other. But aside from that, like the actual acting experience, you know, working off of you had some great scenes with Janelle Monet and obviously with Dave Batista and all of that. But what, what are mm-hmm. some of those takeaways did you learn for your own kind of growth as, as an artist? I was so excited and also nervous to work alongside all these vets. One thing that was always in the back of my mind was like, what, like, what, what do they do? Like, what is their process, if you will? And especially me, like, you, me being so nervous to work with them, of course, I was entirely too nervous to even ask the question, you know, and also they're in their element, they're working. I don't want to like, you know, that because I feel like that's a question that a lot of actors get all the time. They're like, geez, like a lot of times you're just like, geez, I don't know. I, <laughs> who knows? You know, it's just something that you you bring, you you kind of take with you from project to project. And, it you know, it ebbs and flows and morphs and um, with time. But I really honestly, I don't think I, I never even really needed to ask the question, to be honest, because I got to watch them in the process of their process. So I got to kind of um, observe in this masterclass, if you will, of all these different actors who have their own way of moving on a set and moving with their characters. And so I really just tried to like make like a sponge, but I feel like what I really noticed from day one, the one thing that really stuck out to me was how free they all were not just as people, but also in their roles. They were just so like free and in the moment. And it's actually really incredible how much effort goes into being so free. Like it's actually, it's really, really hard. It's, I think there's a quote about it. I, I think I was learning ballet as a teenager. And I remember one of the posters on the wall, but it, it's something along the lines of, it's amazing the amount of work that goes into making something look effortless. And it reminded me, like it, the whole experience reminded me of that. At the end of the day, my brain was just like, okay, stop putting so much pressure on yourself and just, just talk like a person. <laughs> stop, you know, like, like let yourself just like relax into it and just be. Thanks, Whiskey. Yeah, this is my second one of these things. We did a yacht thing last year. Well. That sounds fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, when they're all together, it's kind of the worst. Duke just treats me like arm candy, and they just ignore me. Why do you put up with it? With Duke? I'm building my brand, and he's putting me on his channel more often. So he's leaning harder right into this random stuff. Like, if I'm going to go into politics eventually, I don't think that's a road I want to go down. Like, it's expeditious, but it's kind of a shit show. Oh, here's the pool. I'm going to walk around a little longer. I'll catch you over there. Okay. Hey, it's really great talking to you, Whiskey. You too.
they're all so good at that in their own ways. You know, Janelle, Janelle was was very, very focused and poised and but also at the same time very much in the moment. And so to watch her was kind of a master class on letting your work at home show up for you on the day. And um Catherine, <laughs> Catherine and Kate were very, very spontaneous in the moment. Um, and, you know, Daniel kind of the same as, as Janelle. Um, and of course, Leslie and, and, um, and Dave and, and Jess and Edward, of course. But, you know, it, it was, they truly were, it was really, really enlightening to be able to watch that. And so I was really excited after I wrapped because I felt like I had lived, um, I felt like I had lived an entire lifetime on that project with the amount of um, just the amount of things I felt like I was taking away from them. Um, and they're also such wonderful people. I feel like in a way they're like um, like mentors without even really being mentors. That's cool. And also it was, it was big to get that part. Did you have to audition a few times or was it a meeting and then an audition? How did that process go? It was, it was definitely what, you know, I, I feel like a, a quintessential audition experience would be, which is, you know, you have, you have an audition and, or you have a tape and then you have a callback and then you have a director session and then you have another director session and then um, maybe like a, another tape in, in sprinkled in there, but um, just for good measure. But it was, you know, there were there were definitely hoops. It, it was it was everything I expected for a project of of this scale. Congratulations! And I know that it was a big it was a big deal that you got cast, and you certainly delivered on your potential, and Thank the you. movie really delivered. So it's it's thrilling. And I did see Boy Erased. Who were you in Boy Erased? My character, uh, her name is Chloe, and I played um, like high school cheerleader slash Jared's. You were the girl in the car that he wouldn't kiss. Yeah. Like, yes, I knew it. I was like, ah, with the, with the, yeah, with the makeout and and everything. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I was Chloe, and that was also really cool too. That was my first time on a, on like a, a film, like a big film. You know, like I was. It was a huge set, and um, and it was with Focus, and obviously Joel Edgerton directed it. And Lucas Hedges was starring, and we had just there was a stacked cast, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah, Russell Crowe like, plays a dad, Nicole Russell Kidman Crow plays the mom. Yeah. yeah, yes, it was it was crazy, and I I was just like, I mean, I I had gone from I had gone from auditioning and not even really truly being able to get into very many rooms to having this audition and booking it and you know it was just like it was such a crazy it was just such a 180 it felt like um and it was just so exciting um to be on that side and again like similar to glass onion it felt like when i was you know when i was in scenes with nicole or russell especially scenes where i was able to kind of just like sit back and watch um it felt like a master class and i noticed the same thing with russell it's just how like free he was you know and it was so funny it was the first time um, I'd watched an actor do their close-up and a director going up to going up to them being like, all right, cool, um, so let's do it again. And them being like, no, no, we're good. We can move on. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Incredible. That feels very Russell. That feels very on track. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and two but Aussies, it, two Aussies it with was, each other too. I mean, yeah, but, exactly. It was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. So let's get to Outer Banks. So now it's in its mm-hmm. third season. What's so interesting about this series is it's got this terrific young cast and basically all unknown at the beginning. And it came out in COVID. So it was during a time when everyone was in lockdown. No one was going out. No one was going to the grocery store, yeah. the doctor, anything. The, the world shut down. I know. The series comes out. It's hugely popular. It has a little something for everybody. World Up, it's back up. And lo and behold, you and your castmates are suddenly world famous, right? It's yes, so. You're able to live in this little bubble for a year and then you come out and little do you know that all over the world you're in someone's living room, laptop, phone, and there's this passionate fan base. Rabbit. Yeah. No, I know. We have very, very passionate fans and people who like really ride for this show. And I, I truly like, I truly feel like, and I felt this way from like at the day one, as soon as it came out on Netflix, I truly feel like, like the stars kind of just aligned. Like it it was truly best case scenario because I remember the night before the show came out, I called my parents and I was, cause I was just kind of feeling like the overwhelm and the recall of what was happening. And and I was just thinking like, damn, like we're, you know, the show, we're about to, again, like, you know, kind of you know, rip our hearts out and just put it out for the world to judge. And I was just feeling emotional and really grateful and really proud. And I called my mom and I just was, you know, venting and I was like, mom, I'm just, you know, if, if nothing, you know, if the show, like if nothing comes of it, we don't get a second season or you know, if, you know, people don't love it as much as, as we do, you know, I'm just really, really proud that we, that we did what we did. We made what we did. And, um, and I'm just really grateful to have had that experience because, you know, the first season of a show, and I feel like a lot of people will say the same, um, or a lot of other actors who have been on shows will say the same as like the first season usually just feels like lightning in a bottle. You know, when you just have, you know, this, this, new group of people, this new group of friends, and you're all kind of forced like on location together and you have to depend on each other and lean on each other. And it's exciting. You know, you're, you're, we were all kind of in the same place when we were shooting um, the the first season. And we were just like, oh my God, like we're, we're about to be on a Netflix show. This is so amazing. It just felt like, uh, I don't know. it, It felt like, you know, pinch me. And it was truly just such a really magical summer. And um, and then, you know, the night before the show came out, I was kind of doing that recall and I was just kind of letting some emotions out. And um, so I was like, I need to just let it, just let it go. Like, I just need to let it roll off my back, you know, and whatever happens, happens. And then it ended up, I think it was like number one for about three weeks. And that blew my mind. And, you know, we really, the only gauge we really had was social media. So we were just watching, you know, the socials just go absolutely nuts. And we were all just sitting back like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, it was incredible. It was really, really cool. It was really special because I remember growing up and I was a big fan of um, like YA books. And of course, like I would, I would, I would, 
run up to my room and lock myself in and watch the vampire diaries i was really really into i was supposed to be doing my biology homework but i would be watching vampire diaries and i but i remember you know feeling so in love and attached to those characters and and those stories and so to be a part of that um not just as a viewer but an actual like part of of a story like that just really i don't know it, it was very very exciting it felt like a kind of like a i don't know dream come true for my 15 year old self yeah of course because you have to you have to understand that that 15 year old is is obsessing over everything sarah cameron does you know she they feel the same <laughs> affinity for that character that you did when yeah. you were that age which is kind of yeah. amazing and the chemistry obviously with the cast is so important to its success so but good. what i love is the anxiety no one really talks about they look at it and they're like oh madeline klein beautiful oh my god dream come true i want to be her I want to do all that but they don't understand that it is incredibly anxiety inducing and you do put your it heart is. and your soul into it and then you're like letting it out in the world and I know. Um, I love. Yeah. I, I love you admitting that you're basically a nervous wreck, and and all the emotion yeah. then comes out. Like not when you're doing it, not after, but like right before the whole world is going to see it. I am. I truly am. Like I'm. I am an emotional. I'm, I am a nervous wreck um, of a human for the most part. I am. Um, I'm a very reactive person, even though I feel like at this point I've learned how to keep my composure about things. I am the person who hides in bathrooms so that I can have at least five minutes to just like breathe. And, um, and my, it's so funny. My mom is who I call to vent about everything. And then, um, as I can keep my, my composure as long as I can call my mom afterwards and freak out a little bit, (laughs) but yeah, it's crazy. And then once you get, you know, we got confirmed for, um, or renewed for a season two. And then was the, there, then was the anxiety, of well shoot like we made season one is it going to be different for season two like are people gonna you know did they like it because there was a bit of a content drought or did you know did they resonate with it because you know we were all locked inside and and there was you know our show like one of the main themes of our show is friendship and togetherness and adventure it's like are people going to resonate with it as much um, and so then there was like the, the task of, okay, how do we, how do we match what we did in season one or if not match, make it better? Well, I think the third season is the best yet. So how's that? I think you guys I are well, uh, I agree. <laughs> you're yeah. on the right trajectory. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, all I do is show up and say words that are written for me. So <laughs> I credit that to our writers. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, they always, there's a, on our set, there's a famous line within our cast and crew, which is more sweat, more blood, more tears, you know, more, more, more. And I think the third season is kind of the culmination of that sentiment right there. (laughs) And, And it's just, you know, I feel like every single season, we just end up hitting the, the gas even more. This season was particularly impactful for your character. A lot of growth here for Sarah. So for you, looking back now, obviously it's been out and it's trending again. It's in that in that in that (laughs) row, that top 10 row. Was there a particular scene or episode that you loved exploring? I enjoyed all of it. I always I always really enjoy 
And one thing I love about TV is that you get to kind of immerse yourself for a few months. You know, it's, it's not, it's a bit of a process. As far as seasons are concerned, I feel like this season was a little bit more of my character taking a step back and doing emotional recall. Um, and that was something that I had talked to our writers previously about. And I had, because my question to them after the second season was, okay, this girl's life has gone upside down. Like her sixes to nines, like she, her world has done a complete 180. And we haven't even really seen her like acknowledge or process it. And I didn't realize the manner in which they would go about it or how they would, um, how, how we would express that. But um, we, that was kind of my journey this year. And it wasn't, I wasn't quite expecting Sarah's arc to go the way that it did, but I think it was necessary. And I ultimately did very much enjoy um, the emotional exploration that I got to do because that's what I love. I love to psychoanalyze. I love to talk ad nauseum about, you know, emotions and feelings and, you know, what justifies what. Like, I... I love to do that deep dive. And for me this season, I really got to do that. And, um, and that was, it was incredibly, um, that was incredibly satisfying. And I think it also kind of aged Sarah up a little bit, you know, like that's a part of growing up is, you know, having to face situations where you're just kind of in this weird moral dilemma and it, you know, I don't know, but I feel like it kind of, it was a way we get to see Sarah kind of grow up a little bit emotionally. I, I enjoyed that part. Yeah, the longer you live, the more trauma you have, the more decisions you have to make. <laughs> right? That's right. Like, oh, my my extensions are staying on nicely despite the trauma. Yeah. With television, you make you make a good point with series is you get to stay with the characters and obviously with this with the seasons over years yeah. and you 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 grow as an artist actually as an actor as well mm-hmm. and obviously you're you've grown up a lot since when you started this right you were 21 mm-hmm. when you first started the show and now you're 25 those are giant growth years anyway as a human and and then obviously as a as an actor those experiences that some of which we just talked about happened too i'm amazed at the all the fan theories too do you have a favorite fan theory i'm like a big jj sarah sibling fan theory fan (laughs) i think that would be so fun and also it would also kind of bring back whoever Sarah and or and or JJ's mom is because at this point like our moms are just kind of like phantoms you know we don't mm-hmm. we don't talk mm-hmm. about them like we don't really you know touch on it like they're they're like the they're one big question mark and so I thought it would be I just think it'd be really funny to see like that they are you know they have the same mom or I don't know maybe they're cousins I don't know but I always thought that would be really interesting. And plus I feel like Sarah and JJ don't really have like a like a friendship friendship, you know, they're they're friends, but they're not like close. And I felt like it would be like this funny glue that neither of them would have ever expected. Um and maybe, I don't know, just be like the siblings they never had. Because right now Sarah's brother is murderous and her yeah. little sisters God knows where. So 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm down for that. I, I buy into that. Also, I should say for all our listeners that aren't aware, Netflix did a in real life event called Poglandia. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, they did. <laughs> it was like a music festival. That was kind huge. of a day. Yeah, it was big. It was big. I mean, that's the level of fandom here. And I imagine now you can't even walk down a street or go into a Starbucks. I mean, how how is that for you out in the world? It's pretty tame. I just put on a hat and a mask <laughs> and I just go and get my coffee or uh, but but it's really it's it's really not bad. It's it's and it's really fun sometimes, like, you know, when when you get to meet people who are fans um, and say hi to them. It, it, it's always kind of like this, this reminder of like, of what we've done and, and like the reach of it. Um, I, I, I get like, you know, there's like some days where I feel like I look like a chopped cheese sandwich and I definitely don't want to take a picture, but I also am like really grateful that, you know, somebody wants to even come up and say hi and, and, and talk about it. I'm always really grateful for that. But what really, what really shakes me to my core is when, you know, I go to, like when we were filming Glass Onion in Serbia, um, there are people, crowds, like outside the hotel, like 24-7. And Serbia is a country that I never thought I would ever visit. Um, and to see, and also when, when we were shooting Glass Onion in Serbia, Outer Banks had just come out. So that was a little bit of, I think a little bit of, there's some perspective there, but it was me and Drew um, and his cast in the same hotel. So there were, it just blew my mind, just the reach, like the sheer reach of, of the show. Just, I mean, I, it kind of, it, it still to this day kind of blows me away. I get a little bit of like a adrenaline rush when I think about it because you know you get that little like heartburn because it's it's wild it's really cool one thing I want to talk to you about is the the action and the stunts so do you do Mm -hmm. any of your own stuff at all I mean you seem pretty uh athletic and adventurous also with a good mix of anxiety so I'm I don't know where that measures in terms (laughs) of I'm not thinking you're Tom Cruise but like how close I would never be Tom Cruise I just saw this video um this behind the scenes thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's where he's on the motorcycle and they built this ramp. It's insane. It's insane. Crazy. I've watched and it. They did it. Have I seen it, Madeline? I've seen it like 50 times. I can't not watch it because I think it's, is it real? And you know, it's real. And you know, he did it like. It's crazy. The amount of times I watched it, I think is the amount of times they actually did it. And it just like, it, it, it gives me, I, I, cause I get such intrusive thoughts. I think of everything that could go wrong. You know, like even, I'm, I swear, even when I ride a bike, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I could fall. I could scrape my knee. I could, my toe could get stuck in the spoke. Like I get, I just get so nervous. I'm, I'm a little fraidy cat to be quite honest. Um, but I definitely, I, there are stunts that I do. Um, for example, in season three, we have, um, there's like an elevator shaft. And um, of course they couldn't just drop us down a real elevator shaft. Um, although I'm sure our director would have loved it for the reactions. <laughs> it would have been very real. <laughs> um, uh, so they put us on these like tethers and we have these like rock climbing like harnesses around our, our um, hips and waist. I guess what I'm saying is when they strap you in to 
a rope that's hanging from the ceiling and then they just leave you there, you really have no choice but to do the stunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, I do, I do, I do to some degree do my stunts. I have an amazing stunt double, Erin, and she's phenomenal. She makes me look so good. I, I usually let her do her thing because she makes me look really good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, I'm kind of with you on that. I do. That's interesting the way you articulated the that you think of everything that could go wrong, and that's terrible too when you're a parent. And I have two teenage boys, so you can imagine how preoccupied my my brain is uh, at all I times. Mean, it's because I'm pretty sure it's because I'm an only child, and my parents both are so like, well, if you do this, you this could happen. This could like my dad's an engineer, so his his mind is constantly busy. Like he's constantly doing chess. He's always thinking about each and every different possible outcome. So, you know, I remember when I got my license and I hopped in the car and he got really, really upset at me <laughs> because I didn't back out of the driveway straight. He like made me like park the car and he got out and he gave me a lecture and he was telling me all the different ways that I could possibly die. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's just like, that's how I grew up. I was, um, you know, I, in a way, I think similar to Sarah, I was a little bit of a bubble wrap kid. Right. It's in the DNA. <laughs> bubble wrap, bubble wrap, Kip. I love that. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what you're saying about your childhood. You did some modeling. You went to New York kind of mm -hmm. in the summers to see about that. So what was it for you that at that age that kind of made you want to leave home and your friends and camp or whatever else you would do to like go to New York mm -hmm. and, and start the pretty miserable proposition of like <laughs> waiting in commercial auditioning rooms and going in for your 30 seconds or two minutes. Ah, it's so funny. I was, so I think for some like backstory, I was never a good like team player ever. I know I, I used to be on the soccer team when I was young. Like I wasn't like, we weren't, it, it wasn't at all like a serious. Like elementary school kind of thing. Right? Yes. And so, um, but you know, the coach would blow the whistle and I just didn't like being told what to do. So when he would blow the whistle and say, you know, whatever, I would just stand there. And, you know, there was like letters on the back of my, my shorts, like the jerseys they gave us. And I would like be busy, like looking back at like the letters on the bed and, <laughs> you know, I was, I was too busy, like not paying attention. I'd kick the ball into the wrong goal and. Um, when people got mad at me, I'd be like, I don't know why you're mad at me. This is just, a, you know, this is, we're just chasing a ball around a rectangle. So um, I think, you know, my parents were just happy that when I kind of had, had expressed interest in something like a hobby, um, they, I think they, of course, they wanted to support it. And that ended up turning into going to New York or being invited to New York to you know, audition and for commercial print work and commercials and and I loved it. I I had a that those were my those were my favorite summers and I you know I, I I got excited because now I had friends in New York and I had friends back home and I got to have this cool experience that I didn't even ever really you know in my ten year old brain it wasn't what you know. I wasn't just going to tennis camp. Well, not that there's anything wrong with tennis camp, but I'm not coordinated enough for tennis. And I got to do something that I really enjoyed too. Um, and I, I just thought it was, I thought it was so cool. And my mom would take me around, like there were all these different, you know, cuisines that I'd never tried. And I was so excited about all those 
all this food that I got to try and all these friends I was or I was making and um, you know every afternoon my mom would take me to the park and I would run around for five hours and blow off steam and it was truly like I, I they were truly my favorite summers so and I also wasn't a big camper I'm gonna be honest I'm still not a big camper um, <laughs> I they there was like one week where they would take us to camp like it was during the school year and I hated it it was it smelled funny <laughs> the showers were always cold um, <laughs> and the food wasn't good and I just all around just wasn't like I just wasn't a fan so I, for me it was like a great it was a great happy medium I was I was I always really enjoyed those summers that's amazing and then you obviously I'm sure your parents probably weren't so happy when you decided I'm going to move to L.A. and be an actress. Maybe not. Maybe I'm putting words in their mouth, but I would imagine <laughs> probably not not thrilled with that. Con- oh, no, no, not doing college. Going to go uh, audition. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially as like, a you know, as a bubble wrap child, you know, there are a lot of things that could go wrong with that decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was there's a lot of worst case scenarios that could happen with that decision. <laughs> I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, the disappointment that you experienced, because I think it's really important, especially mm-hmm. for younger people or younger women that that will idolize you or idolize your character to understand that all this stuff doesn't just happen to someone. It's a lot of work and a lot of the good yeah. stuff comes with bad stuff in terms yes. of rejection and not getting the part or being too tall or too skinny or too blonde or too brunette. Or, you know, sometimes you have nothing that you do has anything to do with whether you get the part or not sometimes. So if you could just talk a little bit about that experience and how you kind of kept yourself uh, focused, because obviously you did. (laughs) I think the thing is, especially with especially with this industry, there is like the name of the game, honestly, (laughs) is no or not right now or maybe later. I, I can't tell you how many no's I received, which is also like when I moved out to LA and you know, I was, I was so, I was just so excited to be on this new adventure and to be out of college and to be independent and on my own. There was really like, I was so fearless. Like there just wasn't, I didn't have any, like, I didn't have any intrusive thoughts. I was just so excited to make it happen. And then, you know, when you, when I got here and I, you know, reality kind of hit me a little bit and, you know, it was, you know, it was no after no after no, that's definitely like, that's it. That's a blow. Like it's, it's a big, big blow, which makes you, you know, question yourself, question your decisions. And just, it's, it's very, it was, it's something that can fill you with a lot of self doubt. It's definitely not sunshine and roses. And then on top of that, like actors of all gender, face like yeah you're you're not skinny enough or you don't like this enough or you don't look like that enough and you're not blonde enough or you're 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 brunette or you have this hair color i mean i couldn't even get into the room for sarah cameron because i didn't have blonde hair initially like i that it's just it's it's quite it is quite insane the amount of rejection that you go through in this industry um, and so it's not sunshine and roses, actually. It, it's, there's a lot of like fortification you have to do for yourself. Like there's a lot of, you have to like, I didn't realize it till I was in it, how much you have to like, not just show up for, you know, the audition or the work or 
class, but you also have to show up for yourself. And that was something that, that was a big, big learning lesson. And that was, that was a part of my growing up that didn't happen till I got here because I had to, I realized like if, if I'm not going to stand up for myself and if I'm not going to show up for myself and love myself, then I don't know, I don't know who is because I'm out here by myself. (laughs) And so it was, when I first moved out here, it was a lot of, I remember I downloaded every single TED talk there ever was. (laughs) And every day I watched like one or two or three and I would drive my friends to their auditions, even though I was painfully jealous that they were getting auditions and I would help them run their lines. And I got a job at the self-tape studio because I not only wanted to help other actors, but I also felt like it would teach me something about what other choices other actors were making. So it was, it was a lot of just like forward motion. I realized that I couldn't just sit in my frustration at myself or, you know, what was happening or how I felt like I was just dormant. Um, it wasn't really, I, I kind of just felt like I was on a treadmill. I, I was, it was running, but I wasn't going anywhere. It was a lot of like internal forward motion. Like what can I do to better myself? And as soon as it's funny, and it, I think it kind of circles back to the conversation we were having at first when we were talking about being free it was as soon as like I started to show up for myself and feel confident and be like, you know what, like I am arming myself with knowledge and like, love and appreciation. And also, you know, I'm working like constantly at this, even if it's not a job, like I'm going to my classes and I feel, I feel good. You know, I feel like I don't, I don't need it. Like I want it, but I don't need it. As soon as that happened, boy raced, you know, and it felt like, it felt like the energy that I recognize in people that I admire now. So it was, it was just interesting, but it was more like, as soon as I wanted myself, um, as soon as I wanted myself to, uh, or like my self love or, you know, whatever you want to call it, like my, like whatever it was in here, as soon as I was happy with what was going on in here, focused more on that than what was going on outside or like desperate for like a, a job or a booking, that's when I feel like things started to, to happen. So I don't know. That's, that was, that was my observation. Those are some good thoughts on that. And, and yeah. very true. I have two more questions for you and then I can let mm-hmm. you go. One, I saw you at the Vanity Fair Oscar party. I did not get a chance to say hello to you. It was a crowded room full chock block. So who was oh your God. favorite person that you got to meet that night? Yes, I got to I, I got to meet Alan Cumming. I was really, really excited about that. He came up to me and we were, you know, we were drinking some wine and we were just chit chatting. I was a couple or a few, I don't know who's counting, shots of tequila in. It was so funny. I was having this conversation with him. It was like there were two parts of me. Like my brain was separate from like my mouth. My mouth was talking and carrying on in this conversation. My brain was like, what the fuck am I doing talking to Alan Cumming? <laughs> you know, and I God, if I could even remember the contents of that conversation. It is a crazy night, though. You you see everyone so loose, and it, it is a party. People come at all out. You know, people are entering at midnight, at one in the morning. It, it's just, and it was a really fun party. I wish, though, I wish either a I had gone earlier, or b I had gone to one of the after parties, because I was like I was ready to go. Like I was ready. I was ready to rip. And then I, you know, found myself at a at a twenty four hour taco restaurant with a couple of my friends because the party had ended <laughs> and uh and all none of my friends wanted to like keep going and 
So I was like, okay, well, here we are. Yeah, I always find that night. I, I was, I'm always up really late anyway. And then I had to work first thing in the morning. So that was, uh, but yeah, next time, now, you know, now that was a rookie move. Now, you know, next year, you're going to plan the evening into the morning. All right. My last question I ask everybody, I, I always pick a question for a season and this season I'm asking everybody, what do people say to you on the street when they recognize you on the street or think they recognize you on the street? Sarah Cameron <laughs> or <gasps> whiskey. That's my favorite one. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, th- I get really excited because, you know, for a few years, it's always been Sarah Cameron. And then it's fun to like mix it up a little bit. Or sometimes I get Madeline, but a lot of times it's my character's name. Or um, my favorite one recently that happened was like, are you that girl in that show? <laughs> and I think those actually, honestly, I take it back. I think that's my favorite. Are you that girl? Like, Depends. It depends. On that show. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. that show, that one time. Well, yeah. it's been great to meet you, actually, and, and chat with Thank you. you. I, I want to see a lot of things for you. I want to see you in a corset eventually. I want to see you do more comedy. I want to see some action. I wouldn't mind a rom-com. Uh, I would love a rom-com. I, I hope for more growth for Sarah Cameron, for most certainly. Me too. You know, I, 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 I like where we're going. But mostly, Madeline, it's been great to, to chat with you, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com.